You're listening to Get Out and Drive Podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Sean Mr. Sedan Man Cheryl. We'll be bringing you gearheads all the information you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? We want you to sign up for National Get Out and Drive Day 2021. Head over to getoutanddrive.com to get the link and sign up to receive your free official event decal while supplies last. Don't forget to snag one of the official 2021 event t-shirts while you're there. Join us and others in the U.S. and across the globe as we get out and drive on October 3rd to show our support for National Get Out and Drive Day. Hey, we're back with another episode of Get Out and Drive podcast. I am Sean, Mr. Sedan Man Cheryl. I am John, custom car nerd, Meyer. You know, John, so many people we talk to, uh, we ask them their background, how they get started, you know, what sparked them as a kid. Right. A lot of times it's Hot Wheels. Oh, yeah. I everybody. Mean, everybody's had Hot Wheels. Mm-hmm. I've had Hot mm-hmm. Wheels. You you still have a lot of Hot I, Wheels. I have a few. Uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of rare Hot Wheels out there, too. Right. Right. I mean, you can certainly name off a lot of rare Hot Wheels, you know, quicker than I could. That is that is true. And, and some people follow it more closely than others. Yep. Yep. Um <laughs> You know, I buy a lot of Hot Wheels for my granddaughter. Right. And she's got a, a, a tub way bigger than I ever had when I was a kid. True. And uh, some people just, uh, they take that uh, collecting and and really build a good collection. Yeah. Uh, and one of those people we have on with us today is Bruce Pascal. Uh, Bruce has got a killer collection mm-hmm. that he's been putting together for a long time. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you guys doing? We're doing, doing well. Doing well. How did you get started on your collection? Well, I was born in 1961. So when I came out in 68, that was my prime time as a seven-year-old kid. So my original collecting was between the ages of seven and nine, where uh, I would fight with my brothers with the orange track. Uh, I'd go out and collect a lot of Hot Wheels and race them and trade with neighbors. And then I put them all away in a cigar box. Um, then in 1999, my mom called me cleaning out the house, handing me back that cigar box. And when I opened it up, it was like that seam of I dream of genie when the genie comes out. Uh, it changed my life that one day. And uh, that was about 22 years ago. And uh, whatever I do, I do full speed, fifth gear. So that's, that's what got me here today. Wow. <laughs> that That's pretty cool that she kept all the cars and things. That's uh, That's pretty slick. Yeah. Because I know a lot of a lot of parents uh, will sell things at a garage sale or give them to the kid next door, and they all get mashed with a hammer. And or or a lot of us mashed them with a hammer when we was a kid. Yeah, smash them with a hammer I yourselves. Mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think I put a couple firecrackers on them when I was a kid too. Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot of them didn't so look so good in that cigar box. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. A lot of people did that with, with full size cars as well. That's why a lot of the stock appearing muscle cars and stuff that are highly collectible today mm-hmm. that are actually stock are really expensive because everybody ripped the wheel covers off and put wheels and mufflers and jacked them up and put a different engine oh, in sure. it. Yeah. Everybody's trying to personalize them. Make it everybody own. tried to personalize them. That's what they did with a hot wheel. The first thing you do is rip it out of the package. Your buddy's got a, a pink one. And the first thing you do when you have a pink one is Paint it with a blue brush, you know, mm-hmm. and, and make it so it's not pink. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hear pink cars are expensive. Yeah, as, as, as a general rule, 
uh, Pink was not really that accepted. It was Mattel's attempt to get girls to collect. And they were usually the most destroyed color cars there were. So if you find a mint pink car today, generally it's one of the hardest colors to find. Because because boys mashed them because they said this is a pink car or or whatever. They destroyed them because it's a girl's car, you know, or whatever. And they they wrecked them. That's crazy. And and I think Mattel made less pink colors because it was their attempt to get in. So. For every pink car, you may see 20 blues and 20 greens. And collectors over time start recognizing the rarity of each color. Mm-hmm. And, and many times it's hard to find. Uh, there's a car called the Pink Beatnik Bandit. It was the original car that came out at Ed Roth uh, Recreation, 1968, one of the Sweet 16. If you have that car in a package, the last one sold for over $15,000. Wow. Only because they made very few pink beatnik bandit. There's only a few packages known. And let's say I've seen in my lifetime, 500 blue packages. So do you see the ratio? Uh, Many, many other pink was just super hard to find. Wow. Why do you think as, as today, because of why, why do toys exist in the package today that are 50 years old? What stories have you come across of the reason that there are still blistered Sweet 16 cars? Okay, that is a great question. The dream answer, which happened to me once or twice, is somebody said, my father worked for Shell gas station. I've heard the barrels stories. They used to pass out a free Hot Wheel when you get eight gallons of gas. And my dad had five boxes left over. And by the way, those boxes today... If they're filled with 96 cards, sell for over $25,000 a box. So some of those boxes have been found. I myself bought five boxes that way from one collector. And then every once in a while you say uh, the mother was cleaning out the kid's closet and opened up their underwear drawer from 50 years ago. And there's a curled up Hot Wheel that was never opened. Uh, And they're found that way. It's absolutely amazing to think about it. Why wouldn't you have opened the car up? But thank goodness people didn't open them up all the time. I cannot mm-hmm. believe, and I see social media and watch eBay very closely. And, and uh, I, I try and watch fakes. I try and watch what's real. I try and look for markings of what's rare and things. And I try and do my best uh, all while still having a 40 hour job, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and doing a podcast and doing a podcast, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of amazing. You know, I think I sleep sometimes, I guess, yeah. um, sleep but, overrated, right? Right. Sleep. So for suckers. Uh, but, uh, I, I can't believe the amount of carded cars that keep coming and keep coming and keep coming out. Do you think they're still coming out or do I see the same cars being traded around people? I, well, first of all, there's a lot of trading going back and forth. Collections sell, people, you know, especially I'm at that age where I'm 60 and I'm the original collector who, you know, had the cars when they came out in 68. If you start thinking about 60 year olds, that's when they start moving their houses, getting rid of extra items. Uh, maybe a few years ago, I had to pay for their kids' college. So collections do circulate a lot. Um, I don't suspect we'll find many, many more shell boxes or many more cachets, but um, there are a lot more collectors out there than people realize. And uh, 
you know, you'll see more and more collections go as people start, unfortunately, to pass away. They'll hit the streets again. Yeah, we, we've seen that trend, and I know you mm-hmm. have, and it's sad to say, but as the baby boomer generation, the hoarding style baby boomer generation gets a little older, they either pass or they start, you know, liquidating their life. Uh, we see a lot of stuff coming out. I mean, there was just a unrestored Hemi Daytona that came out the other day. Oh, yeah. Just been in storage, they said, for 50 years. Right. Uh, how is that possible? It's amazing. Well, think about the stuff that you you have. You just don't have time mm-hmm. or you don't have the money or right. you don't have the space. Mm-hmm. So I'll get to it someday. Right. Some people never get to it. And I'm sure the same thing happens with Hot Wheels. Yeah, that has to be. And, and you know, touching on that a little bit, how how did you find a lot of your collection? Did you did you seek out people or things? I know I know you have a bit of a story about that. Sure, I, th- I think I have a unique story. Uh, in the year late 1999, I bought the rarest Hot Wheel in the world. It's called the Pink Rear Load Beach Bomb. It was a Volkswagen bus that Mattel made, but unfortunately, it didn't work with all the accessories. So after making about 100 of them, we suspect, Mattel stopped making them, and they redesigned the car completely. A bunch of employees took the car home, and then years later, they started selling it, and it became the Mona Lisa's of the hobby. Uh, So when I bought this rarest car in the world, somebody made an accusation, maybe that car is not real. So what I did is I tracked down the original employee who sold the car to the guy I bought it from. He was so offended that somebody would have said that a car could be faked. And by the way, of course, there are people that do restoration, and we can talk about that. But you can't sneak into Mattel's factory and make a Hot Wheel. You know, that just doesn't happen. So he one night sent me this nice package of his biography of when he started working for Mattel. And he sent me all these newsletters that had pictures of him like the Mattel golf team of 1969, you know, the Mattel alumni for five-year award. So one night at three in the morning, I woke up and I said, oh my God, if he had a car worth five figures in his garage, maybe if some of these other guys are alive, they have cars in their garage. So interestingly enough, Mattel had a lot of foreign workers in the, uh, 1960s, 1970s. Why? Because it was cheaper labor to get them from England or Germany. So the names were unusual, like Odo Gabler, Odo Cooney. So when you got the white pages, if anybody's old enough to remember what that is, of course. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you started doing my research, it was easy to find a lot of the foreign names. And sometimes I had to call five or 10 calls. And then finally, someone would say, Yes, I worked at Mattel. And I would say after an interview of what they did, and because I was fascinated to hear more about the history of the company, I would always ask the question, did you keep anything from your days at Mattel? And the answer was, Bruce, you're going to kill me. I got rid of all the cars. But I did keep some blueprints. Are you interested in those? Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, hey, Bruce, I did keep my wood model because, as you know, to make a Hot Wheel, you have to make a four times size wood model. It's hand carved. Took about 300 hours. I'll sell it to you if you're interested. Wow. So I got, I got the Ferrari wood model and others. So I collected prototypes, wood models, 
um, employee badges, everything related to those factory days, including some of the original artist sketch to make Hot Wheels. And that's what makes my collection different than most other collectors. And I ended up interviewing over 400 former employees. That is a lot. That is a lot of research. Yes. And a lot of employees. That's that's a lot of dedication. That's a lot of dedication. That's amazing. You know what? It was like a a spy novel. You know, you get so excited. You got to find a John Sherman. And then you find (laughs) out, you know, there's 38 John Shermans in California. And, and, and I didn't know California well, but I learned quickly, L.A., El Segundo, what neighborhoods probably were good. And, you know, don't call the guy in Monterey. And sure enough, after a while, I got pretty good at finding these people because they stay there. Yeah, hey, once you're in Southern California, you tend to stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found former employees in Boise, Idaho and Florida. Uh, one guy uh, I tracked down to Alaska and he was an airline pilot um, now. But it's amazing, you know, a little bit of research, but it's kind of like you guys. You work your day jobs and then you spend all the time doing podcasts. It's fun to hit that phone. And when the guy would say, that was me, I worked at Mattel, I got a victory and and it was exciting to learn. Do you think you were the first person or one of the first people to contact these people? So I'm almost guaranteed I'm one of the first. And then I got a lucky break. I made friends with the president of Mattel alumni Ah. and he actually invited me to California in the year 2000. I go to a party and I turn around and who do I see at the party? Elliot and Ruth Handler. Holy cow. President who invented hot wheels. Ruth was his wife who invented the Barbie doll 10 years earlier. (laughs) Uh, That is, uh, is absolutely amazing. That's some good company to be hanging with. That is some good. That is some good company. Once I started meeting some of these echelons, I was able to use their names and call people. And then one day I hit a bingo. A guy said, hey, Bruce, I don't have much. Would you like to get the 1968 and 1969 internal telephone uh, directory from Mattel? The the Bible? (laughs) Would you like like the Ark of the Covenant? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found the Ark of the Covenant, and that made my life a lot easier. And, oh, yeah. and that was probably the greatest heyday. And nobody had ever known those, those things existed, but they did. It was absolutely amazing. So I had a lot of lucky breaks, but you know what? We all call it luck. But like you said, it was a lot of work. I'd go to my downstairs and work every night, 9 to 10 p.m., for four years in a row, making those. And, and uh, and even to this day, somebody called me today and said, uh, a former employee gave me your name. I worked for a, a shop that used to work for Mattel. I got some cars with no names on the bottom, blank bases. Are you interested? So I'm working on a deal right now. too. Oh, <laughs> nice. Cool. And see, that's what happens. And, and I think that's what happened a lot. I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Shutton. He restores. Uh, he's in, in California. Uh, he restores a lot of uh, show rods. And, um, and he works with, uh, Galpin, Galpin Ford. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> and he started restoring other show rods and things. And someone knew that he did this. Now these cars and people are coming out of the woodwork and he's the man to go to. Yeah. People are starting to come to him as people have gravitated to you with hot wheels and things, but it takes uh, a lot of work. It, it does takes a yeah. lot of work ahead of time. And you've done a lot of work to get to be where you're the center of attention and people start coming to you and you're doing not that you're 
slacking off, but you're doing less leg work and people are starting to gravitate to you, which is fantastic. Right. It, it does take time. And by the way, I walked into that Galpin Ford and uh, I, I, the, the highest moment of my life was the Peterson Museum. But that Galpin Ford, seeing those Ed Roth cars. and, yes. and, and Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's 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 Dave Shutton's work. That's all of our friend Dave's work. He's restored all that stuff. The Maverick, uh, the Maverick funny car and, and all of the stuff he did. I think his first car that he redid. Uh, was he built the Mysterian, which didn't exist. And I think right. he, he did a recreation. He did a it. recreation of the right. yellow Mysterian. That's the one with the crazy one eye and, wow. and all that. And he built that car. And then someone else said, hey, that looks really good. Mm-hmm. That's the real one. He said, no, it's a copy. And then he started building other cars and things. So he's uh, he's kind of getting like yourself where people are coming to him with these weirdo cars, you know. I, I even had a guy call me once and I try to stick to Hot Wheels. As you know, it's a disease. It's easy to expand the disease and you got to stick in it. But I did break my rules and I found the original blueprints for two Ed Roth uh, model kit cars. And this okay. was the actual blueprints to make it was like the Tiki Hut, I think was one of them. Yep. There's a, they have the phone booth and they have the outhouse and all that type of yep. stuff. So I, I got the blueprints to make the actual model kit that the actual model kit company used to make. This isn't instructions. These are the yeah. actual blueprints to make. Right. Is this Ravel or Monogram? Do you know? Uh, it's one of those two. I forgot the name. Uh, okay. I think it may be Ravel, but I, I don't remember. Right. It's put away in my files. Yeah. I, cool. I, I still geek out on show rods. You yeah. know, Sean goes, the hell is that i'm like go this is a this is a manure spreader he says okay whatever yeah <laughs> some are cool some are cool others little, not so much pushing the envelope for pushing me the envelope <laughs> yep a giant beer keg yeah you know yeah or a, or a forklift yeah <laughs> or a guitar a guitar or a guitar absolutely uh, pac-man uh, uh, don't get me wrong i appreciate the work that's in them oh my god I'm just more of a muscle car yes hot rod type of guy a real so, a real yeah. car type of guy yeah Um, I know we touched a little bit on you talking about restorations and I do a lot of hot wheels and, um, I'm kind of focusing on sweet 16 to 1970 red line restorations right now. Have you come across any restorations that fooled you or people that tried to fool you and you knew better? So the answer is yes, that it, let me start off by saying, I really appreciate the hobby of restoration, the skill set, the paintings, the, you know, and, and as you may or may not know, there's a whole industry of selling restoration paints, rivets, parts, wings, plastic parts. It's amazing. Yes. Uh, and once in a while in the hobby, we get a car and we stare at it and stare at it and pass it to the 10 experts. And they're so good. It's hard to tell because there are some t- techniques now where you literally can use super glow and the bottom rivets are never even changed. And it's hard. And we have something in the hobby called the screwdriver test, where if somebody's willing, we'll put a screwdriver in the back of the car and turn it to the right. If the car stays, we know it's a legitimate car. And if it pops open, you got a fake. So a lot of people are scared though, to take a car that may be worth thousands of dollars and put a screwdriver next to it even. So we don't get to do that test all the time. 
Yeah, I, I just put together and and completely legitimately because we did probably about 30 auctions the other day on, on eBay because um, Sean and I uh, cleaned out a, a, a hoarder's house and it was full of toys in the basement. So we cleaned the stuff out and we've been putting stuff up on eBay. And my wife and I put about 30 auctions up the other day and I put up a repaint custom cougar and it's blue. I redid it with a painted tooth. Yep. I did not touch the rivets. It is a completely hand-stripped, polished body, and I painted it candy blue, and it looks real. It mm-hmm. has it has old-looking wheels on it, it has original wheels, and it's a little rough, you know, and it's kind of banged around the edges, and I put it up, and I, I knew it was restoration. Oh, my goodness, the, the messages flew into me. That I'm that I'm a crook and I'm trying to trying to pass this off as legitimate. And I forgot to put that it was restoration. And I'm I see a bid on there and I'm like, oh God. And I'm <laughs> then I'm trying to trying to modify this. And uh I just didn't want anybody to think that that was a problem. And I'm like, oh God, I'm ready to pull the auction, you know. Yeah. Um, but everybody was cool. Everybody that that messaged me was cool and everything. I'm sorry that you've run into that, that people, I mean, I'm sure just like art dealers and things, people are trying to do a fake. It's terrible. Anytime people can make a buck, they'll yeah. try to make them. And our general rule is if you're going to sell a restoration on eBay, just say it's a restoration. It's easy. And, and we know there's a couple sellers that are, uh, and I, we feel terrible. There's one seller that I think he's been through 95 different names okay, oh, on eBay. Yep. And he sells fakes and it's always the same story. You know, my dad worked at Mattel or my neighbor did and, 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 and here, and I've seen people pay hundreds of dollars of cars and they're fakes. Um, so if nobody says anything and the guy passes away, he always had a nice car. He's happy. Uh, but one day he wants to sell it. There is a story of a man who paid $20,000 for a rear loader and he bought a fake. Wow. Yeah. From that same seller we talked about. So and, it's and tough. I have to ask this question because I know that there are knockoff bright vision rear loaders as well as bright vision rear rear loaders. And I know the base differences and the body differences. Do you still see those knockoff rear loaders still coming around? Because I heard there was like 10,000 in the original lot. Yeah. Of of the knockoffs. Yeah. I don't know if it was 10,000, but it was in a thousand plus. And they made all the different They made kits and everything. So the answer is I can tell instantly a from the patina of the paint because any car 50 years old, the paint looks different than something painted five years ago. Correct. Two, geez, I'm going to share with you a little secret uh, how you can tell it's a fake. The original rear loaders were still considered prototypes. So as such, the body of the car, they never polished it and got rid of the defects. So it still has casting flaws. Correct. You look at the sunroof of a real ruler, and you if you could put your hand through the glass, if you could, and you turn your hand around, you would cut your hand because there's extra flashing. The bright visions and the knockoffs of the bright visions, the top of it is perfect as if it's laser cut. So that's how I can tell instantly. And I get calls all the time. But you know what the number one call I get? And I got a call yesterday. They made a car called the Red Baron. Remember that the German helmet. Oh, yeah. I I oh, just yeah. I just sold a a a uh, a large spike Red Baron. I mean I yeah. I, I did and, and it was a okay car. I mean it wasn't something great, but go ahead. So 
when the cars were first made in the United States factory, they would grab whatever color plastic was in the machine. So when the first 144 Red Barons were made, they accidentally used a white interior instead of a black. Mm -hmm. So when you went to a store and you bought it from the, of the rack, every one of the, I'll take a guess, quarter of a million or more made had black interiors. There's about 30 that have white interiors because they were made at the factory. So that's worth $3,000. Well, wouldn't you know it, in 1993, Mattel decided to reissue their Redline series, and they made the interior white. Oh. <laughs> the bottom says China. Uh -huh. I get a call every couple of months. I got a Red Baron with white interior. No. tell the guy, it's worth a dollar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have been now because I kept all of the, uh, um, oh, God, I guess their 30th anniversary. Yes. They came yeah. out with, you know, all the different uh, reissues of the Vicky and they had the wrong wheels on them and, and all that stuff. Those boxes and the paint and everything on those cars yeah. are turning yeah. to dust. Yeah, they are. I think it, I'm thinking correctly. Was it 25th anniversary or 30th? It was one of those two years, but they, they had yeah, terrible paint jobs and, uh, and it's hard to find one in mint condition. Um, even right. in pack only worth two or two to five dollars each though uh, correct and i i've been i've been taking some of those and robbing the wheels from them to do my 70s redline restorations because yeah. the through hole wheel looks very 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 similar to correct 70 to 76 ish you know through hole wheels you know that that type uh, of stuff and they they look great for a super van restoration because you can get a medium wheel and a big wheel and and all that type of stuff so it's pretty cool so um <laughs> Sean's looking at me because I'm nerding out. You are. I am. That's all right. That's all right. I'm I'm very impressed with your Hot Wheel knowledge. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, mine is not so great. No, he's so, not, yeah. not so great. I told John a lot of this interview is probably going to be between you and him, and I just lean in every now and then say I'm still here. And Sean says he's still here. <laughs> you know. Um, do you have any full size cars? Sure. Well, ever since I've been married, I've had which is uh, 33 years. Mm -hmm. I've had 35 fun cars. Ah. So, so 1960 Austin Healy, 1960 Chrysler Imperial, bought it, sold it, bought it back. You ever had that feeling, you know? I have. <laughs> 70 Dodger RT, uh, 440 Magnum, uh, 65 AMC Marlin, 2015 Alfa Romeo 4C, 62 Chevy Nova I have currently. 2007, I think the first year whatever came out, seven or eight, Gran Turismo Maserati, I ordered from the factory, special wow. color. Um, so I, I've had a bunch of them, 1940 Buick. Cars are in my blood. I love cars. And I've never had to change the oil on a Hot Wheel, though. I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly, exactly true. Have yeah. you have you put a number? And I've it's all been all over the map, so I want to hear from the horse's mouth. Do you have a number-ish on the amount of loose cars you have so interestingly enough or, or, or total if you want to even yeah, yeah. carded i have about here's the scoop i have about seven thousand items in my collection okay about three thousand of them are paper items blueprints notes from the factory art artwork etc and then about four thousand are hot wheels so about 1500 red lines but when i say most of them are mint I may have gone through seven different red lines, getting rid of the bad condition ones 
getting to the best shape. Uh, probably have about a few hundred in packages. Uh, but my prize possession is I have about 220 prototypes, actual cars that were never sold to the public, that were literally accidentally taken home by employees and sold years later. I, I've been seeing a lot of uh, unspun cars, and and I can say I bought a bunch of them myself, unspun cars that have been smuggled out of Malaysia factory, and they're all over eBay. Correct. I'm against that. Uh, and, I, 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 that's why I went like this, because I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you got to realize there's a difference. In 1968, 1969, an employee taking a Hot Wheel home was not much different than a McDonald's employee taking a burger wrapper home, you know, from the factory saying, I'm going to use this to, you know, to, to take notes on or something. And, and it really wasn't a, a thievery because guess what? There was no Hot Wheel collecting in 1969 through 75. It was just toys. Right, right. Today, these factories, and Mattel switches them apparently often, they're thieves that come in steal the cars. And there's two things they do that really hurt Mattel. Number one, they sometimes put on eBay a car that's coming out three months later that Mattel wanted to keep a surprise. And, and, and I feel sorry because in the toy industry, you know, it, it's a secret of when a car comes out. So that, that really hurts Mattel. And then the fact that people are stealing from the factory and people are buying them, I've never uh, and never will buy one of those fake, you know, those cars from Malaysia or China. Um, it, it's just to me that you're, you're part of a stealing thievery to do that. You know, I, and I completely understand. And and the the couple that I bought, and I I, I bought them, and I'm like, man, this has got to be an early car. Yeah. You know, a a, a super treasure hunt because obviously you can change the wheels on whatever. But I, I I bought some of the 50th anniversary cars, and they weren't on the store shelves yet. Yeah. And, and yep. I couldn't believe that. And, and I bought, you know, some of the gold chase Camaros and, and, and some of that stuff from 50th anniversary eight months before. Yeah. And I, I saw it on there and I couldn't believe it, you know, and, and I just kind of wanted your idea on that situation. Yeah, I hate I, it as well. I see what's happening. Yeah. I just think it's, 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 it's bad. It also devalues the overall, you know, uh, I got to tell you, I spent 300 hours, 75 interviews, and I finally got an unspun original 1968 silhouette. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now there's 70,000 of them coming from you know China. It, it, it hurts the hobby when there are so many dumped out there mm -hmm. uh, because the older ones are truly, truly like finding a piece of gold in a, in a stream. Uh, the newer ones are like going to Target in a sense. It's good on eBay. You can buy them. Exactly. Have you talked to some of the, uh, um, original people that were at Mattel and, and asked them, did you think this would explode and, and kind of talk to them about that? And do what are you, are they surprised that this is a giant phenomenon? Elliot Handler himself didn't even know there were hot wheel conventions when he was in his eighties. He only went to the Barbie conventions to his wife. Um, shocked. They, they, they were all shocked. Um, nobody ever thought, this would be, you remember, there's a usual toy cycle that, you know, uh, jumping jacks comes out or, you know, an electric truck comes out and, three, you know, dies three to five years later. Hot Wheels have been, since 1968, going strong, set a record sales last year. And, and that's 50, 
well, my math isn't as good, 53 years. And it's the number one boy's toy in the world today. And thank goodness, one of the positive effects of COVID is kids started playing with things again instead of the uh, computer. There's a resurgence. Mm-hmm. And, and we always talk about uh, what drives youth, Y-O-U-T-H, because our, our main mission is to get other younger folks involved. And we talk right. about that quite a lot, Sean. Bruce, are you, are you doing something? Because I saw something a while back and you can have people, you had some folks over at your uh, garage and they were playing with Hot Wheels. Do you do things to get others involved in the car hobby or collecting hobby? All, all the time. I have a 4,000 square foot warehouse mm-hmm. where I keep my collection. I have three art gallery rooms. I'm calling you from there one now. And then I have a warehouse with my real cars. It's all decorated Hot Wheels. I put track on the ground and I open it up. I go to Facebook and say, warehouse open, give me a call. And then I usually get adult collectors and I say, no, 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 just kids. <laughs> uh, but you can come. Uh, I had a kid came in yesterday who was visiting from California. His aunt said he is the number one Hot Wheel collector in the world in his mind, you know, and she wouldn't tell him. And he came here and he was totally surprised. He spent an hour and a half walking around, taking photographs, and I let him hold and he took pictures of the rarest Hot Wheel in the world in his hands. So I love reaching out for kids. You know, Hot Wheels are a great teacher for kids of all the different cars. That's how most kids learned Cougar, uh, you know, Camaro, they get it from the Hot Wheel and then they're driving on the road and going, Dad, there's a Camaro. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I did. And that's how I taught my kids. And we laid out Hot Wheels. And, you know, as soon as my kids could speak and my friends thought it was crazy, they'd pick up a car, they go 32 Ford. You know, this is a this is a Cougar. This is a 57 Mm -hmm. Chevy. What makes that a 57 Chevy, buddy? And he would tell me. And, yeah. and that's important. And, and I'm sure you instill that in your kids as well oh, yeah. and that yeah. type of stuff and, yeah, and pointing bought, out differences. Yeah, I bought a lot of stuff for my, <laughs> a lot of high wheels for my kids. And now I'm buying it for my granddaughter and I'll go through and I'll pick out the ones I think is cool. So that not the brainwasher, but you got to pass <laughs> on your cool information. Yeah. But to, to kind of lead her in what is cool, mm-hmm. you know, what I think is cool. Sure. And, you know, I did that with my kids. I'm doing that with her. And, it's not uh, brainwashing. It's a small seed. Yeah. And then you well, water it seed. with That's love. That's what I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she, she absolutely loves Hot Wheels mm-hmm. and will play with them just for hours. My, my wife four, gave me just turned four. My wife yeah. gave me some giant six lane thing, Hot Wheel thing the other day. And we opened it up and his granddaughter was at the house. And I don't think I played with it. <laughs> yeah, you, you did, but she played with it for like two hours. She was playing with it. Yeah, she played with it for like two hours and, yeah. and, and Sean's son. So that just tells you that Hot Wheels in general, new or old, they don't have an, I'm sure it says it on the box, you know, but it doesn't have an age range. There are no. 80-year-old collectors and there are eight-year-old collectors. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And I personally even though I'm a collector of older red line era, 1968 through 1977, I buy probably a few hundred cars a year. And just like you, I look at the rack. I look for the real cars. Uh If it's shaped like a toilet bowl, I won't buy that. (laughs) You're not into the fantasy cars. You got to have the real stuff. Right, right. Yeah, I love it. And, And you know what? Over time, it's funny in the collectibles world, the real cars have held their value 
multiple times over the fake uh, over the the fantasy cars if the i can fantasy use cars, right i mean who wants a road grader with flames or something well there's one right there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, some idiot put it in a box over there um, but let let's give credit where credit is due mm-hmm. back in 1969 ira guilford penned the first car that was never a real car or a show car because that was what happened in 1968. And he made a car called the Twin Mill with twin engines in the front, Corvette. So the creativity of a toy designer to make and design what cars should look like, I think there's, you know, that should be celebrated also because that's pretty cool. They've come up, Larry Wood and others have come up with some amazing designs and, and great names, by the way, Tri Baby, Noodle Head, you know, uh, it, <laughs> It's great. So I I do think there's really some specialness to look back at these Hot Wheels that were designed that looked like cars back in the late 60s and early 70s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a twin mill. That's that's an iconic car. That is is, is, as iconic a car as, you know, the Red Baron and and, and that type of stuff. And, Mm -hmm. And that was all for show rod, promotional, over the top toy sales. You know, that's all what it was about, but now it becomes folklore that that thing exists, Mm -hmm. you know, and it never did before. Absolutely. And it's a giant commercial for toys. How about a chaparral? Right. Yeah. No idea. No idea what that is. Right. (laughs) Paul says it's a boat. You know, I, I have no idea what a chaparral is. It was a race car. Mm -hmm. I, I would dream to find the real 312p ferrari though that was gorgeous as a hot wheel yes all that all that type of stuff is 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 really good um and i thank you and applaud you for collecting not only the available to everyone cars but collecting the history of that type of stuff. And I see there's posters and things behind you and store displays and, and that type of stuff. And, you know, we've talked to people in different realms of collecting and they collect the weirdest thing, you know, like a napkin that says, you know, Borden on it or, or, you know, or Coca-Cola or McDonald's or whatever and things. And it's, and it's just amazing. This, the most of the things that are the most expensive were the things that were meant to be thrown away. Correct. Yeah. It's like store displays and they're very um, easily, easily broken or easily destroyed or meant to be only up for two weeks and they throw them out. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the most, the most incredible things. And, and I see that you've, you've collected that type of stuff. So other than the beach bomb, what do you think is your uh, most collectible or the, the most expensive car past the beach bomb? Sure. Well, I call it the beach bomb. The, uh, the king of the hobby, sure. the, the queen of the hobby is a very interesting story. Have you ever been to a McDonald's and you see a picture of a hamburger on the wall and it looks perfection, the tomato, the pickles. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Food and photography th- is fooling. <laughs> then you get your McDonald's hamburger and you open it up and it looks like somebody stepped on it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, Hot Wheels wanted to make commercials in 1968. And they realized if the car just, even though the cars were translucent and pretty, if they went down the track real fast for the TV commercials, they wouldn't really sparkle. So 
they said to the factory in Hong Kong, why don't you make some that look like Christmas ornaments? So they barrel plated the metal to make it look like a mirror. And then they added the translucent paints. And these cars are so stunning that I swear if I put it on a choker on my wife, you would think it's a piece of jewelry. They're drop dead gorgeous. And the average one is worth at least $20,000. Uh, and uh, I own a few of them. And, uh, and, and uh, there's still one I'm trying to buy my, my, the, my, that a woman owns. That's a strawberry, beautiful Mustang and uh, with open hood scoops, if you know what that means. I do. I do. And it's chromium. And, and years later, they made the chrome car. You may remember you sent a dollar I, in a chrome car. Mm-hmm. So they made it years later. But in 1968, there's maybe only 20 of these known in the world. That's and, what I was going to ask of the over chrome cars. Do you how many do you think are, are out there? There, there's probably about 20, probably about half of them are in mint condition because they came from the employee shelves to collector shelves. And then for some reason, some of them are beat up, um, you know, they, you know, destroyed, glass broken, et cetera. But you can see through the paint, the mirror color. Pretty cool cars. That is incredible. I know, Bruce, you said you have uh, Hot Wheels everywhere in your house, but you have to have Hot Wheels in your blood and automotive DNA. Is, is that true? It's absolutely true. If, uh, <laughs> if, if, if I did a 23 and me test tomorrow, I have a little bit of motor oil in me. And nice. let, me, let me tell you how I got it. My grandfather in the 1940s through 1962 worked at the National Archives in the transportation department. And he was the foremost authority and historian on the history of automobiles. And, and as a joke, someone gave him a toy car in the 1940s and nobody collected toy cars except my grandfather, Leo Pascal. And uh, I grew up in an environment of playing ping pong and making sure I didn't lean too far. Otherwise I'd hit an antique toy car. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's in my blood and, and I grew up, my father ended up taking over that collection and, uh, uh, had a 1929 Buick uh, and had a 1960 Rolls Royce. So I didn't know there was such a thing as family vacations. I thought it was just antique car club meets and Rolls Royce owner club meets. So you know, I didn't find out till that's later. Really, that's of- really all there is. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand what your problem is in the, in the perfect utopia of my life. I yeah. mean, that's probably pretty close. Exactly. <laughs> you told, you told us uh, earlier that he despised modified cars. Oh, my father, if I'd go to a car show and somebody, you know, raked up the back wheels or you know, took off the hood and had an engine exposed, you know, my father would look at me and say, you know, it, it wouldn't have been nicer for that guy just to restore the way it should have been, you know, made from the factory. Right. And, well, until I started later on appreciating and those cars are pretty cool, dad. I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, yeah, he, he was a. Uh, you know, I guess if his father's a true historian, you know, you, you got to grow up by the rules your father taught you, right? That's that's the way my dad was. I was always into taking things and cutting them up and turning them over and sticking the engine out and changing things and mm-hmm. chopping the top and doing all that crazy stuff with Hot Wheels and model cars. And my dad kept asking me, what, what, what are you doing? Stock is boring. Yeah, stock. <laughs> stock is someone else's idea of how it should be. Right. I need my idea of how it should be. 
And that kind of was my creative outlet. You know, my, my dad always told me I'd break something before I got out of the box. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's kind of the way it was, you know, I, I snapped the, the head off my, um, evil Knievel under my dad's 59 Edsel. Um, you uh, know, that's, that's my, my seventies evil Knievel story, you know, cranking that thing up and it hit my dad's Edsel and snapped the head off of it, you know, and still playing with it though. <laughs> oh, headless evil Knievel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How do you know it's evil? It could have been another writer. <laughs> it was exactly, exactly correct. Well, that's fantastic that that you're you're collecting things that are customized and you like the custom stuff and your dad instilled with you that uh, things are supposed to be stocked. That's a good yin and yang. There's room for everything. There is room for yes. everything. Yes. It, it took me years to discover that these modified cars and the modified Hot Wheels, they're really displays of talent. They're, they're, this is people's skills, whether it's painting, metalwork, et cetera. So it's pretty phenomenal. So Bruce, uh, if people want to uh, follow you on social media, how would they find you? Well, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. And uh, my code word is hashtag pink beach bomb. P-I-N-K-A-C-H-B-O-M-B. Just like it sounds. Nice. Yeah. I've, uh, I've followed you for quite a while on the, on pink beach bomb and, mm -hmm. uh, and you, you post up a lot of rare stuff. So it's a lot of cool extra pieces and things that people may not see anywhere else on your, uh, on your Instagram feed. So it'll be great. Well, thank you. I appreciate you following me. Well, I thank you a ton for uh, hanging out with us for a yeah. little bit. <laughs> Been interesting. You guys have a great show and it looks like you have a great fun time doing it. And yeah, well, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we do. And we, uh, we try and give our listeners, you know, uh, a reason to follow you on social media. They they like real cars, and they may have a few collectors, you know, Hot Wheels that you people you may not know about. You know, mm -hmm. um, so we try and give people different avenues when we stray off. We you know for collecting small Hot yeah. Wheels and things. Because so. I find a lot of people our age have Hot Wheels collections or have mm -hmm. model collections, mm -hmm. and and they enjoy hearing about that stuff too. They enjoy right. hearing other people their age. Yeah. Or collecting that stuff as well. Exactly, exactly. I'm sure some people out there love to hear us talk. We would love to hear other people talk to us. There's a good way. Our listeners can find it on our website. If you go to getoutanddrive.com, scroll to the bottom, you can find the clickable link to our listener hotline button, and you get to talk to us. So people can leave us messages. Right. Praise. Yes. Hate mail. Accolades. 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 It's called accolades. Accolades. Gotcha. Yes. Anybody out there that wants to talk to us? Yeah, maybe we'll play it on our podcast. Yeah. If you have questions, we can answer questions. Yes, exactly. Have suggestions. Yes, suggestions. Talk about life. We want to hear from you. Hot Wheels, Matchbox, M2, Johnny Lightning, or something other. Be sure to follow our friends at RacingJunk.com. Use the promo code GETOUT to receive 50% off your Pro Club membership. Make sure you check out our website, getoutanddrive.com, for everything you never wanted to know about our podcast. You can learn more about us, you can buy merchandise, and just check out all the fun stuff on our website. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Like, share, give us your comments. Tag us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod. What, what drives you? you?